What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court for today, Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. I am your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy, Jeff. I Freddy. Jeff, happy Wednesday to you. Man, we can't get a stop, Jeff. I am so happy we're doing this because I'm using this time. Obviously, I love talking with you guys, but a part of it is venting. I'm not going to lie. I need this for therapy. Um, that the Pistons performance right now, I mean, we're, we're doing this live and uh, they've given up 50 in the first quarter. Um, this, you know, it's not like I can't say I'm shocked, but I am shocked. I mean, this is an all time low and we're going to get into it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy I'm here. I really am to talk with you fellas. Yeah, 100 percent. And speaking of of happy to be here, I'm, I, I'm happy this guy's here. It is my guy. It's good to see you, my friend. I'm doing good, Sean. Um, I have a story for you that doesn't have to do with uh, basketball here. Um, I, well, my wife was out of town this weekend, decided to go to the movies all by myself. Um, uh, battery died in the car when I per- turned on the ignition. I called your old high school buddy, Nate, came and picked me up, went to <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, grabbed a beer and some wings afterwards, and it was a great weekend. Bro's weekend. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I just got a call. I had heard that whole story. It's so weird that you just happened to live within five minutes from my high school, one of my high school best friends, just nonchalant, like just out of the blue. It's absolutely crazy. That's a whole other conversation. But guys, we have to talk about what's going on with the Detroit Pistons, the state of the Pistons, specifically coming off of what's going on on Monday night, because this is from half court where we talk all things NBA basketball and we talk all things Detroit Pistons as well. If you like that, be sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and be sure you share with the podcast with your friends and family and people that love the game of ball. But with that, guys, we just got to dive right in because the elephant in the room is ever-present. The Detroit Pistons are getting the living beaten out of them by the Milwaukee Bucks as of recording. It is currently 97-70 to with 548 to go in the third quarter. The, uh, the Bucks are going to comfortably eclipse 100 points before the fourth. The Bucks eclipsed 70 points with seven and a half to go in the second quarter. And this is coming from a franchise that used to hold teams routinely under 70 points in a game. Mm-hmm. And guys, I know Isaiah Stewart and Killian Hayes were out. I know Cade Cunningham's out. I know this season is is a season to position themselves for the future, to for better position in the lottery, you know, to to focus on player development and on and on improvement. And I I still am not calling for anyone's job. However, I would be remiss if I didn't sit by and and didn't say something about this defensive performance because I, as much as I, um, you know, have a lot of admiration and respect for this franchise, I have too much admiration and respect for this franchise to not mention when they do something that is out of character and so on Pistons like during this game, Dave Bing said in the second quarter, but quote, one thing that disappoints me about this uh, Pistons team is that they don't seem to understand what uh, understand what defense is. And so the fact that you know we have former Pistons legends 
nonetheless, this happening on, on the night that the Pistons are honoring the late, great Bob Lanier just adds a extra layer where it feels a little icky. And I understand this team just got back from Paris. This is their second game in a week. But guys, this can't fly. No. And again, there's a lot of things that you could bring up. I'm glad you brought up Isaiah Stewart and Killian. Two of their better defenders, not there. I mean, you still have two rookies in the starting lineup. But again, I, th- I think the point you made was perfect. It It is disappointing because at the end of the day, no matter who you're facing, it's Milwaukee Bucks. They're a legitimate contender. They have Giannis, who, again, nobody's stopping him, not even on this Pistons team. There ain't one person that can guard Giannis or at least even attempt to slow him down. But the fact of the matter is that it, it, there, there isn't any effort. And I, I think Dave Bing hit it right on the head. Like the, the concept of defense, there's effort and there's actually going out and, and stopping teams or slowing teams down. They don't seem to be doing either. Like at times we'll see the effort. I think at times we, we've talked about this where there, there's effort. But at, at, at the end of the day, it's like those things will be fixed with experience. And as the season goes on, there hasn't really been that improvement we've been looking for. I get they're, they're missing key players. But at the end of the day, man, like this is this is a we can argue that this point is probably even lower um, in, in terms of because we talked about it, is the lowest point of the season. I think right now is probably what they just did tonight against the Bucks. I get it's the Bucks, yeah. but man, they especially on a night like this, who they're honoring at home, there was no excuse to give up fifty points in the first quarter, zero. <laughs> And, and, and the reality of it is Jeff is, you know, you, you talk about, you know, you, you talk about, you know, like the, like how much of defense is effort and, you know, they're, they're like, the truth of the fact is, is that there is a lot that goes into being a great defender. There is more to it than just effort, but damn it. Defense starts with waking up in the morning and desiring to stop someone from scoring on your basket. It starts with a, a a mental fortitude and and a determination that you're not going to score on my basket. I will be damned if you score on my basket. Right. And when that effort clearly isn't there, especially as a game goes on, when, you know, when there's lazy contests at the three point line, when, when there's, you know, when there's missed rotations, when there's lacks of lack of communication, those are the things that you can't see. Troy, I I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, like, I don't want to, like, you know, get into, the, like, the hyperbole land. I don't want to get into overreacting. I don't want to be overly angry because I I have been, you know, I, I am a proponent of being patient with this franchise. I am a proponent of what they've done and, and, and where they've gone. But this is the first time I've been angry from a Pistons game since before the Troy Weaver era's kicked in. Mm-hmm. And... Quite frankly, if you're going to have a rough season, you can't have defensive efforts like that. No, you just can't. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, the way you started this conversation, talking about what it means to be a Detroit Piston and uh, looking at the teams of the past. And I think that's why maybe us as Pistons fans um, are, you know, overly critical, you know, because, you know, you can look at a team like the Houston Rockets and, you know, if they're playing this kind of defense, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, they're you know, they're they're far gone. But what we built ourselves with culture over the past really 50 years, uh, even though we didn't start winning championships to the late 80s, uh, I, I just think defense has been the centerpiece of who we are as an organization and uh, the winning that's been coming because of that. So I, I guess moving forward here, um, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to this besides better players on this roster. You know, I, I, I think as we as we mature more in this restoration, if we call it a rebuild restoration, we will see the better players bringing that better impact. Um, but as far as right here, right now, the talent isn't on the roster. The talent isn't on the court. Um, right. Therefore, I'm going to go the direction as this is kind of inevitable. Yeah. And, and, and I want to say, too, I, I, the goal, and I think for fans, especially even in a rebuild, you want the Pistons to be that team on the on the on the schedule for other teams where they're like, yeah, the record's not great, but they're going to be a tough out. Like these these guys are going to scratch and claw, um, even if they don't have the experience, which I, I think is is a part of what you brought up, Sean, too, because it's effort. But also a lot of it's recognizing things and, and knowing what to do in certain situations. These guys are still very young. I mean, you have two rookies playing significant minutes for you they're learning on the job so i, I get mm-hmm. why they'd be not great defensively but to be this bad like in the league's different right the, the best team in the league right now defensively in terms of points given up is the is the cavaliers they're still giving up 109 so it's like this it's a different league that you're seeing some of the best offensive right. talent you've ever seen but at the end of the day you, you got to show effort and again you got to take it personal like you got to have some of that grit and i think that's what you guys kind of both hit on is if you're the detroit pistons like know the mold of your franchise. Like there's a reason why Troy, that's kind of what he's been trying to do, but it's hard when you lose a guy like Jeremy Grant, when your most experienced player is probably your best player. Now your most experienced player is a defensive liability. So things are a little different. The roster is not fully constructed. We all understand this, but to give that type of effort, especially after the performance in Paris, it's like, yeah, it's upsetting. Now jet lag, you could bring up things, but still, I think at the end of the day, if you didn't take that performance in Paris personal, I got nothing for you. Yeah, like and, and it's not just the performance in Paris. I mean, it's the it was it was the game before Paris. It's right. been the stretch over the last couple of weeks. I mean, this has been a theme, you know, like like you know December. You know, this this team had you know had had some rough stretches, but still was able to put some competitive play together. You know, like it just seems like of late is really it's been when it slipped. And obviously, with guys in and out of the lineup, you expect that to happen a little bit more. But guys, when it gets to this point, when defensive effort is is something that that you are putting into question with this roster you have to flat out isolate it it, like this type of issue is like a cancer and a virus to an nba franchise it's something that you have to isolate something that you have to that you have to identify within the lineup within within the franchise and immediately cut that out so for me i i would say like you know i i like i don't know if there's going to be changes made at the trade deadline, I don't know if there's going to be change. You know, I know that there's going to be changes made this off season. There always are changes made. It's just the extent of how much, but the reality of it is Troy Weaver over like to me, the rest of this season, when we talk about figuring out who's going to be here over the long term, I, you know, we talk a lot about like who we want to keep in the, in the locker room and who we want to keep around. I think we need to start having the conversation of who we want to part ways with and who we need to and who we need to consider parting ways with. So to me, this the rest of this season, any guy that's, you know, that's not named Cade Cunningham for all intents and purposes, this is an audition for your future. This is a statement of what do you want your career to be? Even though Ivy and and and, and Duran are pillars that are going to that that I feel like are going to be part of this organization for a long time. I feel like this is auditions for them to say how, just how much of a pillar do I want to be? Sure. Because yeah. 
it, because especially when we go into next season with the salary cap space that we're going to have with the financial freedom that we're going to have, that is when you could start to have more liberty and more opportunity to have an, to, to have a voice of who's going to be here and who's not going to be here. Because not only does financial flexibility allow you to bring in players, financial flexibility allows you to get rid of players. So as the season goes on, guys, my focus is what guys are getting effort, what guys are not, who needs to be called into question, you know, that to me needs to be the focus for the rest of the season for this franchise because this this season's been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to that point, Sean, you know, we talk about guys on the court, guys on the roster. And I just don't think that there is a perfect uh, lineup on this roster that can fix all the defensive troubles, all the offensive troubles, even too, of scoring the ball. Right. Um, so lineups, if you're, if you're still in, in a Pistons fan and you're getting hung over your head about lineups, stop because lineups well, are not the problem here. They're also, <laughs> I also just don't feel like there's a coach right now that would, that would change this either. Like I understand that the criticism and I, and like, I already anticipate Jeff. I already know that like, as like, as this episode comes, like, you know, you, you didn't go on the morning show as of recording yet, but I already know what Adam's going to say. I already know what everyone's going to say. It's going to be the Dwayne Casey shtick that we hear all the time. Right. And I just, listen, I just don't think that given what we've seen that any other coach could inspire a different result than what we've seen this season. Right. Mm-hmm. When we see when we see this team fully healthy, when the chips are on the table, when Troy Reaver has the roster that he actually wants to go forward with and start to compete with, at that point we can start to have a conversation about who should be the coach of this team. Yeah, yeah. But right now yeah. when we're having genuine questions right now about who is here to play defense and who is not. I just don't see how that can be fully blamed on the coach. That's just my opinion. Yeah especially a mid-season move. That's what we've always echoed. It makes zero sense. I mean, for a young team to fire a coach mid-season and expect things all of a sudden to just improve. I mean, it's only, it's only going to set your, your season in turmoil. Absolutely. And and what Troy mentioned too, it's a, it's more of a personnel issue. I, I think we'd all agree here. I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about defensive schemes and ex- inexperience, that's fine. But it, I think it's more of a personnel issue. Firing a head coach isn't going to fix that. So, and right. that's clear as day. And the fact that Troy's been so patient, I think, lets you know how he feels about the situation as well. Now, will a change happen in the offseason? Who knows? We'll get to it when we get to it. But right now in the season, the focus should be to your point, Sean. What guys are giving complete effort and what guys are expendable that that we may want to proceed in the future without? Because if you want to build good habits and build an identity, you got to do it at some point. I think that's that's got to be a, a, a direction you start to trend in. And you can't you can't go backwards is I the big problem. He, he, here's the way I think I got to put it, guys. Here's what the rest of this season's about. The rest of this season is about determining who are good NBA players and who are Detroit Pistons, because there is a difference. I mean, outside of outside of Hamadou Diallo, and when you know when he'll ultimately be there next season, Killian Hayes. Nick, can you tell me any player on the bench that's a defensive-minded player? No, maybe if Livers is there. Maybe I livers. mean, outside of, and, and I mean, even, even if you don't like, even if like, let's say you include Killian 
in the starting lineup right now, outside like or like just outside of Killian and maybe Beef Stew. Can you name me a defensive-minded player in the offense in in the starting lineup as well? Mm-mm. Marvin Bagley. <laughs> and, and, and and to your point, Sean, <laughs> the guys with potential are so young. Like Ivy has the tools, but you, I'm not going to expect him to be a, an elite defender like right away. Right, it's not going to happen. Well, and like here's the thing again. You don't have, like, with Ivy, we've talked about, like, you can just be an average defender. It's about not being a liability. Right. Because if you can right. go out and be the offensive player that we all think that he can be, that would more than make up for his defensive liabilities. But guys like Jalen Duran, oh, no, 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 brother. You're not getting on the court unless you're putting in the effort each and every night on the defensive end. And, you know, I know tonight was just, you know, like, you know, for him was probably a jet lag night just getting back into the lineup. First night against Giannis was probably a little bit of a welcome to the NBA moment for him. But I, even though he's 19, this is a full stop moment. Brother, you're not getting on this court unless you are giving 110% yeah. on the defensive end. Jaden Ivey even, you know, what, what was the first thing that Troy Weaver challenged him, you know, when he came to this franchise? He wanted him to be great on what end? The defensive yeah. end. Yeah. And so when we talk about these challenges and when we talk about like holding players accountable, like these are moments where, you sit these players down and say, Hey, this isn't what we, this isn't what we stand for. And, you know, for Jaden Ivy, these are, these are the development moments of, you know, this is what we're seeing in year one. These types of performances can't happen for these guys in year three or year four of their rookie contracts. They just can't. Right. So we would all agree that next year is when we think the Pistons are, are looking to turn the corner. I, I would argue next year's when the Pistons have to start turning the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And and if they do, like again, we talk about how on this team right now, I would say there is a total of there's 15 players on the roster. You can include Nerlens Noel if you want, but for all intents and purposes, he's going to be gone after the trade deadline or the or or after this season. Of the 15 players we have on the roster, we have guy we have about two or three guys that are defensive minded or defensive oriented, right? That means right. that means everybody on this roster that is going to be playing down the stretch. It is an open audition for them all. Are we all in agreement on that? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. And it'll be curious to see, you know, the draft, obviously where we position there, we've talked about free agency, but keeping that defensive mindset into, um, you know, back of our heads with going forward with that. What I mean by that is that we're not just drafting, Right, Jalen Greens, right? You know what I mean? Or 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 signing signing guys in the offseason with that skill level in the offensive end. But we want to look at the defensive. We want to look at areas this past season where we've struggled in and what needs and what voids um, on our roster can be filled uh, through the draft. And uh, I would say even more importantly, because we know probably where we're going to be picking at least top five um, in the offseason as far as free agents coming in. Yeah, so. and guys, I, I'll just and, – and real quick, Jeff, sorry. I'll, I'll like – just to give a specific example, I mean, I'll just say it. If the Pistons have the opportunity to upgrade over a Sadiq Bay with a guy like Grant Williams this offseason, you take it. Because mm-hmm. if he's going to bring that defensive intensity and he's going to bring everything, I love Sadiq Bay and everything that he's promised to be as an offensive player. What is he what has he provided as a defensive player consistently on a night-to-night basis? 
Sean, you you I, took the word you took the words right out of my mouth. I wasn't gonna say Grant Williams, but my thought was gonna be free agency. Your target should be defensive minded veteran players that that are mm-hmm. gonna be here and hold guys mm-hmm. accountable. Because yeah, Dwayne can do that. That's his job. But at the end of the day, you need guys on the roster that can say, "Well, I'm doing my job. You got to do your job." Rather than guys that are just learning. Like Bojan, great offensive player. He's he's not gonna call guys out for the, you know what they could do defensively. He's, I mean he's not a great defender as it is. So that, but also that's... the reason why he can get away with it though is because he's a borderline 50, 40, 90 guy. Right, right, exactly. So if you're bringing in guys that that embrace that side of the ball, like you said, Grant Williams, great example. He he's good offensively and defensively. He's he gives hundred and ten percent effort. If guys are watching a guy like Grant Williams, and that's just using him as an example, give that type of effort. That's the type you need to set that type of example. Those are the habits this team needs to build. And that's why I think for agency, I'm very curious to see what Troy Weaver does and what kind of guys he targets. It's not always targeting the best players. You got to find guys that fit the, the identity you want to build for the future, the mold. Exactly. Can we brainstorm some of those names that potentially could be in the the free agent circle just to get our listeners uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, well, Grant Williams, well, Troy Grant Williams is one of them. He is a free agent. He is yeah. a free agent this offseason. Other guys that are free agents as well. Kyle Kuzma is a guy who's a two who's who's a two who's a two-way player, is has a mentality to play both ends of the court. You know, like those are two guys that come up to my mind. But like in general, Troy, to answer your question, when I talk about the position and just in general, where the, you know, where that, you know, where the where I think most focus needs to be had on this roster, it's the wings. It's yeah. it's the it is the small forward and power forward position. We have a deep wealth of of guards on this roster we have we have a lot of talent in our in our guard room we have we have a wealth of playmakers in my opinion i think we have some solid big talent as well that we can really build off of but right now where are we lacking we are lacking in length athleticism versatility on the wings versatility on the outside we don't have any resistance as far as as guys getting into the interior and as much as guys like isaiah livers are great on the defensive end they can't be your greatest resistance on the perimeter. If they are, you're just screwed. And if if you're getting Giannis free momentum and 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 range to get to the paint, and he's not going to be slowed down, that's just a freight train coming your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, just the way it is. Yeah, and and again, that's we we man, we covered this so much with Jeremy Grant departing. Like that, that was the thing everyone talked about. Oh, offensively, he's giving you twenty a game. It was always to me and, and to you guys as well. Defensively, that's that's the biggest part you're gonna miss. And ironically, what you the question look for, was who was gonna step up? Who was yes. gonna be the person to take that role? And you know what? The answer so far, outside of really just Isaiah Stewart. Nobody. Yeah, nobody can fill it. And, and that's maybe that's the what you're looking for in free agency is what you just laid out. Without naming specific names, guys that fit every all the, the check boxes you just laid out are guys. And ironically, it is a guy like maybe a Jeremy Grant. This is why Grant Williams is perfect because you, you want a guy with the length and size of a guy like Jeremy, but someone who could play more off ball and, and doesn't need the ball in their hands all the time. Grant Williams is a great example. Like he he can he can play in a lot of different roles, he's unselfish. Like those are the types of guys you got to target, and Grant Williams fits the timeline as well, which is just even better. Guys, I know I'm going to sound crazy here, and I know people are going to immediately go in the comments and go, "Oh boy," but hear me out. Nights like this are why I consider bringing Draymond Green in this off season and saying, "You know what? The attitude's got to change in this locker room because this." Ain't gonna fly from here on out. You know for a fact if you bring in a Draymond Green, 
from this day forward, that isn't happening. And that's a guy that you're not bringing in to come in and and bring stats. That's a guy that on the offensive end can handle the ball if need be, but also, you know, as, as he's heading into the later stages of his career, he's shown that he can be a reliable shooter, you know, from beyond the arc if need be. In addition, he's shown he can still hold his own on the defensive end. And if we can go get, you know, get a top lottery pick and 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 an elite wing talent in this draft class, I think that's even more reason to feel comfortable bringing in a Draymond Green type. So, Troy, if you want me to, like, you know, like really brainstorm and go crazy, go out there. Like that's the type of move that I, that I, that I, I think needs to happen this off season, where if you're going to, if, if it's not going to be like wing type talents where or like younger players like that, like you need to make like a culture statement swing of, of guys who are going to uphold that because you know, one thing for sure, Draymond, if there's anyone in the league that knows what it means to be a Detroit Piston, it's Draymond Mother Green. Yeah. Can we all yeah. agree on that? Oh, yeah. 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 I know this summer, well, I guess this, um, you know, fall before the season started, remember with the Jordan Poole thing, you know, we actually had a conversation. Uh, should the Pistons ever consider Draymond Green? And all three of us kind of unanimously were leaning towards no, just because of um, that in particular and a salary, right? And then we had, a, we had a big discussion on it. But to Sean, your point that is so true because – um, that's just an area where we're lacking that yeah. Yeah. not just defense, but that desire to play defense, but also like, you know what you, you, we have guys on this team that are dogs. We've seen it, yeah. right? We've seen Isaiah Stewart show that intensity. We've seen Killian Hayes show that intensity, but you know what? We don't know. We don't have guys that know how to harness that. You there know, you knows how to harness that better than anyone alive. Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. If I am Troy Weaver, I'm looking at that situation in Golden State very closely because with the fact that they just paid Wiggins this pass off, you know, this past season, they paid Jordan Poole. And with what's going on in Golden State, the odds of him being able to stay are not high. Mm-hmm. And even though LA is going to have some cap space opening up, that could potentially be a situation he'd be interested in. He'd be interested in. I stand packed that we need, you know, like just how like Minnesota brought in Pat Bev to be that 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 change in the in that in the locker room. That's the type of that's the type of leader and, and, and voice we need. We need someone to help and 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 quite frankly, help harness the dog yep. in this team. And I, I think you Does put it, it perfectly. No, <laughs> no, my my problem and in, in, in that it was at the time was always the salary. But now that with new information, I'm allowed to change my opinion. And now looking at this roster and what they need, Sean, you, you hit it right on the head. Draymond checks a lot of different boxes. And I think you hit on most of them. Leadership, which this team desperately needs, but leadership from a guy who's won at the highest level and knows what it what it takes to win. Guys won defensive player of the year awards. Talk about what this team needs. There you go. The next thing is he has that, you know, like you said, knows what it is to be a Detroit Piston. He knows the mold. He knows the franchise. He's from the area. And the last part of it is getting the best out of his teammates. Like Draymond, I think he doesn't get enough. I mean, people bring out all the bad stuff because he's confrontational, which can be mm-hmm. a bad thing, but also can be a great thing because I think there's guys in this league that need to be called out. It's just how it is on every team. Every team, there's there's times where you got to call someone out. Draymond can do that. Now Wait, Draymond's crazy. You know who else is crazy? Bale and Beer. You know who else is crazy? Yeah. Rick Mahorn. You know right. who else is crazy? Dennis Rodman. You know who else is crazy? Isaiah Thomas. You know who else is crazy? The entire mother 
bad boy Pistons yeah. or need, lunatics. Yeah, need some yeah. dogs. But guys, guys that aren't don't care about your feelings. They want to win games. Like that's that's what I can appreciate. It's like, listen, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey, guys are great, but cut this as you know what out like this is the stuff you need to fix and this is how we can fix it moving forward Draymond can command a locker room he's a great leader and I I would not be shy from it because especially when you have so many guys that are rookies on on rookie deals you don't have to pay these guys for a couple years and the other thing you have to consider too yeah and the other thing you have to consider too Jeff the the, with the media deal coming in you know coming into the place in the next couple of years yeah. The cap space is about to radically change as well. Yeah. And, and especially if you go out and you add shooting, and then you can add a Draymond Green, you add a little bit of defensive versatility. Like, if you sprinkle in a couple free agents, this team looks a lot different. I think that's what people forget, too. It's not like this team is lost in the middle of nowhere. Like, they yeah. they got a good foundation. They really do. And with the and with the fact that Isaiah Stewart is is a guy that can stretch the floor as well, I think that changes the Draymond Green they equation a little bit together. as well. You're because right. the other part of it was, well, where's the spacing? Well, there's the spacing. Isaiah Stewart is the spacing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've seen that that capability. So I, I don't think it's as crazy of an idea as I once thought it was. You know, whether it's gonna happen or not, we shall see. Yeah. But to me, when I'm when I, you know, when I'm watching this type of performance, I I just I desire that type of voice in the locker room, ma'am. I really do. Yeah. And so uh speaking of teams that need a voice in their locker room, guys. The Houston Rockets are on a 13 game losing streak as of recording the, the, you know, we talk about how rough, you know, it is for Detroit and what's going on with the Pistons. At least they have the excuse that Cade's out of the lineup. Jalen, like, like the problem for the Rockets is Jalen green is fully healthy. Like Mm. that's their problem. Like in particular on Friday night, he had 10 points and six turnovers on three of 13 shooting against the Minnesota Timberwolves guys from the clips that I saw, it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. And, and flat out, I, you know, at at points in this pod, I, I, you know, I kind of, you know, called the Alperin Shangun hype a little bit overrated. I was calling into question all the people that were blowing smoke up Alperin Shangun guys after doing some research and going back and, and doing some looking again, opinions can change. Guys, we're at a point where the Rockets, have, if they're going to build any, around anyone right now, it's Alper and Sangoon. Um, you know what, Sean? I don't. I think you're onto something here because we talked about Jalen Green for a while. We listen. We even at Woodward covered the draft. The one thing that separated Cade and Jalen Green was always what player affects winning more, and the fact that we even said Jalen Green doesn't look like a guy that can move the needle by himself. Look what's happening in Houston. Like he's their leading scorer. He's giving them 22 a game. He's what is that doing for Houston? Like they're still bad defensively. They have no leadership. And the fact that John Wall came out and said what he said on that podcast, I think speaks volumes. The fact that he even admitted like these guys aren't going to win this way. Like they, they just aren't. And now if you want to blame the head coach, that's fine. I think it's, again, it's more of a personnel issue. The guys that you have um, it's, it's a weird fit. We've been saying this for months, but the Rockets got some things they got to figure out because at least the Pistons, your young guys, yes, there's defensive, you know, things you got to figure out. You like the young players, like they yeah. be, like there's players you don't want to trade. I mean, for for Houston, to your point, everybody might be on the table besides Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, and probably Sangoon. I think everybody else is probably available on that on that team. Yeah, and and honestly, like as of right now, like like you might go on Pro Basketball Reference, and some of you might be like, "What are you talking about? Jalen Green's averaging over twenty points a game." 
Not he's great percentages. He's averaging 21 points a game on 18 attempts per game. Yeah, not good percentages. That is terrible efficiency. Yeah. If you're shooting 18 times and only getting 21 points out of it, that means you're taking terrible shots regularly. Mm-hmm. No I mean, accountability. Troy, like, like Troy, this isn't like to like crap on the franchise. I like I just did like a in-depth like article writing about it. Like, you know, I I I just I, I think it's important. Like we talk about how bad things were for the Pistons, but like it's a it's the freaking 2017 Warriors compared to what's going on in Houston, Troy. Yeah, yeah. And they're just <laughs> you watch the game, Sean, and they're they're just bad. Like they don't have winning culture in the slightest. You know what? And you know, sure we can yeah. say that. Right. Yeah. There's no structure. There's so many rebuilding teams over the years that we can say that too. There's there's record there's teams over the years with worse ro- uh, records like this. We think of the 2012 Charlotte Bobcats member who went seven and fifty nine in the lockout. But I guess with this team, again, there there's just no direction to it. Like, sure you have talent with. I would still say Green is a talented basketball player. Of course, you have say You have a. What'd you say? I said, of course. Yeah, yeah of, of course. course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. So you have talent on this roster, but it, they're not basketball players. You know what I mean? Like they're not making basketball decisions yeah. on the offensive or defensive end. Which, so, um, again, if you watch the games, you can see that they don't have it. They don't yeah, have they're it. just yeah. they're, they're playing rec ball. It seems like just yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's, That's a good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah, if, if you look at like how this roster is like being built, it's just kind of like we're just getting like the best things we can as we go. And like I understand like that's kind of how rebuilds go sometimes. You take the best players available. I, I get that, but like at, at this current time, like what like what are the like what are the Rockets building? Like like what's their vision? Because like you look at like with the Pistons. I can tell you what they're building. Like, that makes sense. Like, they're trying to be the Detroit Pistons, right? But, like, the Magic, like, what they're doing makes sense. They're, you know, they're trying to be this, you know, prolific prolific scoring attack, you know, with, with extreme length, you know, like with, like with the Thunder. I can see what they're doing. Positionless basketball is king, you know? But with the Rockets, it's just, yeah, we have a ton of guys who, who you know, we have two ball-dominant guards, who probably I, neither of them should should be should be bringing the ball up, but there are most ball dominant players. Um, our head coach we hired because the real guy we wanted at the time we couldn't get, so we brought this guy in to appease James Harden. Except that didn't appease James Harden. He wanted to get traded after, and so then we just kept him around because well we signed right. him to the contract. So what are we gonna do? Get rid of him? You know, like it's like like what is this team? Yeah, the the fit is so awkward, and we and it's not even like new to us. I mean, we've we've said it like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Okay, um, we'll see. The big thing I've always said, and you guys agreed, is that what the, you want those two in your backcourt. Like number one, they're shoot first guys, which I think is a is a problem. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. puts up great numbers. Still, both those guys are shoot first guards, and you're you're you got pieces like a Sangoon or a Jabari Smith. Like, they don't really have, and I think you put it well, Sean, structure. Like, there really isn't structure, whether that's up to the leaders on the team or you want to look at the coach. Whatever you want to do, they don't have a structure in place. They don't have an identity. Now, the Pistons, you could argue right now, there's not really an identity. But to your point, you like the pieces and how they fit. Well, they don't. I don't even think most of the Rockets players don't even fit. Well, and also, again, 
for the Pistons, it's understandable when you don't have identity when your franchise player is on the sideline. We're right. not exactly going to go move forward and make progress when your centerpiece isn't around. Yeah. But when your centerpiece is ever present, very much there, and you're and if anything, not getting better, getting worse, showing you know re- regressing to some of the bad habits that he was that he was showing at the beginning of his rookie year he's slipping back into some of that which you know Jalen Green we talked about the talent and and everything that he could be but we also talked about all the concerns that we had with his game of is is this guy a winning basketball player or is this just another Bradley Beal type and man this is just reeking of Bradley Beal Washington Wizards you know really just all into it. I just, you know, I, I like unless they got Victor Wimbanyama, and even then, I don't know if that saves this team. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is sad because this is a guy that we've talked about and we're are going to continue talking about. Has all the talent in the world, and if Victor Wimbanyama of all people can't save this franchise, then man, they're out of luck. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, I. Again, I don't want, you know, like it's like I don't want this whole thing to just be bashing teams and, and rebuilding teams because again, I, I like to be positive for the most part, but it's like man, when when this when this type of crap is going on, like, you know, it, it, it's unreal, man. It's unreal. Like 13 straight losses, 10 wins on the season. Like I like like genuinely, like out outside of Alperin Shangoon, who do you like on this roster? Like poor Boban, man. Poor Boban. <laughs> I know he's, he's just vibing. I, I like Kevin Porter Jr. as a trading asset, but not as a centerpiece moving forward of my franchise. Yeah, I would does agree. Any other does any other team other than the Rockets like him as a trading asset? Yeah. <laughs> That's no, where it gets probably tough. Not. <laughs> they you know what the Rockets need? They need a floor general point guard who's pass first, who's a leader. I, it's funny they had Chris Paul. I feel like a guy like Chris Paul would be perfect. Like someone you could drop in there and be like, listen, this is how we're gonna run things. Jalen Green, you do that. Like almost the court they need a quarterback uh, on yeah. offense and defense. And they don't have that. They have two guys that are kind of figuring it out. And that's not especially two guys that I Jalen Green, I agree, talented. I, I got faith in what he'll become, but Kevin Porter Jr., I mean he's, he puts up stats, but those two together, I don't think they'll they'll win games and you know contend and if go, I, make playoff runs i don't see it if i could just like hand pick one prospect and take them from one team and put them on another i'd take jalen Suggs and put him on the rockets like i just feel like like you know i feel like he's in a really awkward situation in orlando where you know like there it's just kind of getting crowded there and i feel like you know him alongside jalen green at the very least he could be that point guard that, you know, that quarterback to, you know, kind of guide that system there. Like, cause to your point, like, it's just like, until they have that type of, you know, that type of, you know, not only that, that leader on the court, but that voice, you know, like in the locker room, yeah, it, like they're just going to continue to flounder, man. Yeah. Agree. And it's pretty apparent, but you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, they, you know, the, the rockets it's, you know, they, they, we had questions about the direction of their franchise when James Harden was in the building and, <laughs> and was winning MVPs. So this isn't new. Uh, but what is new is that we got our first trade of the deadline season, guys. And, and boy, wasn't a hey, massive one. Speaking of direction of a franchise, 
I mean, this team's direction is to the Larry <laughs> O'Brien trophy after this move because the Los Angeles Lakers went and got Ruri Hachimura from the Washington Wizards for Kendrick Nunn and some second round picks. Guys, I don't know about you, but when I saw the trade, I said, wow, this is going to go down as one of the trades of all time. I mean, how, how can you not? I mean, this would be uh, like to, to what Troy said earlier. I don't know if this was on camera or off, but you said it was the first trade of the year. Hey, it is. You're technically right. This won't be the last. It'll be Starting out the year with a bang. What a, what a bang to start it off with. The Lakers, we knew they were, I mean, they were desperate. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to salvage what they can. I don't think this moves the needle for the Lakers. I mean, I, I don't know why. And, and I would love to sit down with Rob Palinka and have a conversation. Like, how do you how do you think you build a championship team around LeBron, especially when you've done it? Like you had pieces and everything worked that year. I know it was the bubble, but still they had a lot of they had great they had great yeah, pieces they were around the LeBron. Going into the bubble, right? Right. And, and now you're here and you you don't Rob hasn't learned from his past mistakes. You're still you don't have shooting. That is how LeBron has won in every destination. You've had shooting, you've had guys that can that can get a bucket. They don't have – did you see – I saw a graphic. I was watching um, the Lakers game the other night, and I'm, I'm, it's funny. They popped up the – you know, they have, they have the previews of each starting lineup. I'm looking at the starting lineup for the Lakers. I don't know AD's out. I understand that, you know, he'll come back. And I'm looking at the starting lineup. I'm like, that's what LeBron is working with? Yeah. Like, how bad of a GM do you have to be? And still have a job, by the way, to do that. And all reports suggest, by the way – that the starting lineup is is going to feature Hachimura, James, and Davis, which defensively, I see the length and like what they're going for in that aspect. Like Darvin Ham's going to be licking his lips on like the defensive prowess that that lineup can be if they're putting in the effort. But on the other hand, I think that's going to set up set the the NBA back another fifty years from a shooting prowess standpoint. Yeah, because I mean, it's called like, basketball. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, like ball in the basket. Like Rui Hachimura, like he so he's a career thirty five percent three point shooter. He's shooting thirty three percent this season on three attempts a game. So like low, like like so like low shooting numbers, not a good percentage. So he's not a good three point shooter. And so like I'm sure he'll have like the attempts. I'm sure LeBron. Will get him the looks, but I'm sure at the same time teams won't exactly be looking to stop them with right. as much urgency. And let's so. look at the other side of the coin. Let's talk about the Wizards for a second. I mean, not that Hachimura was their face of the franchise, but you know, to to get you know a guy like Nunn in, like like I guess is this the start of blowing it up, completely blowing it up? Well, from what I was reading. And from some of the interpretations I was seeing online was that this could be the wizards positioning to try and keep Kyle Kuzma because yeah. getting rid of Ruri Hachimura allows them the cap space to go and, 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 and offer Kyle Kuzma a long-term extension reportedly. They love Kuzma and would love to keep him around. The problem is uh, this is another Washington wizards first round pick. That's a miss or that didn't bring much value to the to the franchise because and any time that your first round pick ends up just being a couple of seconds 
like that's not a successful first round pick. And and, yeah. and like even and, and I get it wasn't a super high lottery pick, but at the same time, at some point you have to find some value in the draft. And you know, like when when we when we continually see you know, the Washington Wizards head down this path of ineptitude. And and when, by the way, all signs point to, you know, either Kyle Kuzma being traded or leaving at, you know, leaving at, at, at free agency. Like, I, I'm sorry, but I, if I'm, if I'm Kyle Kuzma, why the hell would I sign back with the Wizards? Right. Like, especially when I started my career as a Laker, when I want to, when I won a championship in my first three seasons of my career, I know what it's like to be in a winning organization, to be around superstars. I know what the difference is between a championship and bull. I'm not going to deal with that. Like, why would I sign back if I'm Kyle Kuzma? Like, they potentially just lost out on Ruri Hachimura for the hopes of something that isn't going to happen. And and you know what's even more tough is to have faith in a franchise that is so bad at finding talent through the draft, unless it falls right in their hands. Bradley Beal, the third overall pick. Okay, you hit on Bradley Beal, you get credit for that. But John Wall, the first first overall pick, I mean, and he's not even there anymore. And same Beals, who knows what his future holds over the next couple of years. They can't, if they're picking between five and 13, they're going to miss that pick. And if you're if you're a Wizards fan, how can you have faith in whatever this team is currently building? I don't know how... And I forgot, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and I brought up the general manager for the Wizards. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. How does he still have a job? Like, I'm, I'm curious, well, if you continuously miss on draft picks, how does so, that work? So so to answer your question, I've I've done some research, in, in and, in, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a nerd. You know what I mean? So I, I like to go in and learn about ownership groups and whatever I can. And the uh, so the the ownership group that owns the Washington Wizards is the same ownership group that owns the Washington Capitals. And the way that the way that the that they like to run their franchises is generally speaking, they like to um, they like to have longevity in their positions and whoever they hire, they like to, you know, give them time, give them the flexibility to, you know, work things through from, you know, it, it you know, from from the way that they run their organization, it doesn't seem to me you know, like winning's the number one priority. It seems to me like it's much more of like the business operations of having a team and uh, of having a sports franchise in Washington, D.C. and in the in the in the in the values that come with that. Like, if you want my honest, you know, yeah. perception of it. Uh, but I, I do feel that, you know, like there, there does need to be massive change, because if you look at again, we, I, I know we've talked about this before, but in in the in the since 2000 they've only drafted two all-stars in the first round two and they both i've and they both kind of fell in their lap a little bit yeah Yeah. right like you don't really get much credit for drafting the number one overall pick you know or the third that was a clear third pick with right right oh yeah exactly and 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 even then like how about the other times that they that they were at the top of the draft and they had clear opportunities like, you know, Kwame Brown or, you know, uh, when they when they had the opportunity, uh, Otto Porter. How yeah, did that Otto work Porter. out at, at three? Otto you one. know, like yeah. like there's just like there's just so many different opportunities. Like and even right now, like you can like like Johnny Davis. Like, yeah, he... like I like I can tell you right away, Johnny Davis will be out of the league in five years. 
Like, welcome to Shanghai, dude. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he hasn't even been able to get on the court is just, that's terrible. Like, that is, that is terrible. Yeah. It might be closer to three, Sean. Yeah. Like, for a team that's not even having a great season, if you can't get on the court, like, I guess, you know, are they, I guess we've talked about their direction, at least for this season and and the next. And, you know, Sean, you did bring bring up a good point of how they're running their franchise. You know, they're in it for the long game, whatever. But does that mean they're in still this win now mode? Well, they're they're hovering around about 11th or 12th seed. I mean, to answer your question, Troy, I I, I think, I think they're in, in a situation where, I don't think they're going to trade Bradley Beal unless he comes into their building and says, I'm not, I'm not playing another game for you. Trade me. I think they're in a situation where they want to be as competitive at, uh, you know, on a year to year basis as possible. Um, I, I, I would say that they very much operate their franchise in the way that, you know, Tom Gores did pre Troy Weaver in the sense of, you know, just trying to field as competitive of a roster each year and we'll figure it out. We'll figure the rest out later. You know, I I think, you know, like they brought in guys like, you know, like Monte Morris over the off season, you know, like they brought in guys, you know, like DeLon Wright, Will Barton, you know, like they, they brought in like, like they brought a ton of guys in who are like really good, like who are like solid NBA players, right? Like, like from top down, like you, like you, like you can look at this roster and say, man, there are some components here that that can make a really good basketball team, but it's the same problem that you know that all these middling teams have. These players are put in roles that they just flat out should not be in. Like Bradley Beal is not a number one player on a championship team. He's not a number two player on a championship team at this point in his career. We can we could have arguments on whether or not he's number three on a championship team, right? Like like, and he's and he's also getting paid forty three million dollars. He also was given the one of the only no trade clauses in the entire league. Like, dumbest like, thing ever like that's the thing like they they value him because he was the star that was there right like he is the he's the jersey seller he's the franchise you know like they you know like they're, they're just taking what they have and so i like listen in my opinion until they either sell their team or make some massive changes in the front office this is just a franchise that's doomed to just keep making these types of decisions in my opinion this is uh this is Sacramento East, <laughs> and you know uh, Tommy Shepard is the name of their executive. By go. the way, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I will do some research on him just because I'm I'm curious. But um, if 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 you guys were if you guys were the general manager of the Washington Wizards right now, like let's say let's say all right, I have to keep Bradley Beal and and stay under the restrictions. Do you think there's any moves that can make this team more competitive? Like, like, or do you think this is just a lost cause? What are we doing here? Type situation. Because to me, it, to me, I think it's obviously the second, yeah. but like, yeah. yeah. The, the only two players, and I wonder if you would agree, Troy, the only two players, if I'm, if I'm Tommy Shepard, I'm looking at this roster and I'm going, okay, the only two players I'm not moving Obviously, Bradley Beal, because you made that decision. You're not trading him. The other one will be Kyle Kuzma. Everybody else is up for is up for trade. Everyone else is available. Now, what can you get for them? That's the problem. Because you're trading for assets. And this is what I appreciate about Troy. And this is what general managers, good general managers do, is when you acquire pieces, you're always looking to if you could flip them in the future. Sure, Are these sure. guys going to be valuable in the future? 
the fact that they got Porzingis, yeah. who's been passed around like a like a joint. I mean, the, the fact <laughs> that you had faith that you're going to be able to flip him is idiotic to me. I don't know any team in the league currently that's going to be like, you know what? Hey, uh, I'm interested in Porzingis. I, I, so yeah. that's the problem. Is yes, Sean. I would I would put only other than Bradley Beal, who's the obvious, Cal Kuzma. Everybody else is available. The question is, what attractive assets do they even have? That's the problem None. that they're they're kind of in right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. Definitely um, lost cause, but I'm still trying to pass that joint around. Like I want. Porzingis got to go, guys. Porzingis got to go. <laughs> hey, Tommy. But, but again, to, to you guys' point, I don't know what the value there is, but I still want to pass them around. <laughs> that that might, like hooker, Troy. Man. You have said. Some funny stuff on this pod. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> but is it false, Sean? Is it a false thing I've said? <laughs> Join around. You gotta pass um, it around, dude. Oh, dude, yeah. I'm 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 freaking I'm passing that around like hot potato. If I'm <laughs> watching it, I'm like, ah! I'm touching it like I'm touching it like it has like every COVID known to man. Like maybe the Knicks will want him back. Oh god, yeah. If there god. was a franchise that would trade for him, it'd be the Knicks. Wouldn't you know what's funny, no. Troy? When I thought of trading him, that was the place that popped in. Yeah. I'm like, ah, but then for some reason, the I just feel like something the Knicks would to. do. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Knicks did that. I wouldn't. Yeah, wouldn't put it past them. But yeah, no. I mean, it's it is just it is a bad situation. I just you know there's it, like as we talk about it, there I just don't see a way out for them. And you know I just don't see Kyle Kuzma staying. So you know as as far as this goes, like on their end, you know like I like for the Lakers, like does this change the outlook of their season for me? No. Um, I like I I it sounds like they want to extend. Uri Hachimura behind beyond this season as well. So like it sounds like this could be like a like a decent like building piece and like a like a long term like wing, you know, for them. But I mean, you know, for the Wizards, it's just yet another proof that they need some dire change. Yeah. No question. Yeah, for sure. But Jeff, coming to you, my man, as we're starting to wrap up the pod last week. Man, you had you've had us firing people. You've had us trading people. <laughs> what are, what are we doing this week? Who, whose fate am I deciding tonight? <laughs> so we're going, <laughs> we're going with players as the trade. See, I felt like it was, you know Hachimura got traded today. We'll we'll stay on the the trading players topic, but uh, oh, I, I got it. two 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 players for you, different organizations, and I want your guys' thoughts. Uh, first team we've talked about. I, I I think I know what way you guys are going to go, but I want you to explain. Um, why you feel this way. And I'm going to start with the Toronto Raptors. That's the team that's probably going to be selling more than not at the trade deadline uh, or in the offseason. And I'm going to bring up their best player. No, not Scotty Barnes. Pascal Siakam. And what would you do if you're the Raptors with Pascal Siakam? Is it a piece you'd like to keep, or is it probably your best asset and you know where this team's heading? And, and Sean, you could start. Yeah, you gotta you gotta see what you can get. You you gotta see what you can get now. I mean, Pascal Siakam is a uh, you know, he's a great player. I, I just don't think he's a number one player to be building your team around at this current stage. Like he is, you know, the number one option. He is everything that this that 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 funnels around this team. And I do think that they are kind of stuck in, you know, I do think that they were trying to, you know, blend what they had with their championship core, you know, with this youth movement that they were trying to, 
you know, that they're trying to, to jumpstart. And I do think that that works for a certain period of time, but it only works if that youth movement really starts to excel and catch up with the rest of the championship level, level pedigree on that roster. And that's just not happening. I mean, Scotty Barnes, you know, from a, you know, from a prospect standpoint, we all knew the type of talent that he was, but the reason that he was able to thrive so much last year was because he wasn't asked to do so much. So now coming into a season year two, where he is being asked to do more when quite frankly, you know, like as, as good of a, as a player, Scotty Barnes is, and as good instinctively as he can be, he's just not polished yet. He's just, mm-hmm. you know, he's so raw and you know, like he, he's got like, there's certain areas where he's gotten better, but he didn't take the leap that, that, they needed him to take in order to keep this roster together going forward. In my, in my opinion, you see what you get. You try, you try and get the best draft, you know, draft positioning you can, you know, I, and and that's the weird thing is you, you might not get what you want for Siakam. Right. So, but if, if I'm Houston, I mean, I'm, I'm biting that bullet because it has not been exactly a, uh, yeah, has, hasn't been great for them. No. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I just I I think you have to keep two pieces here moving forward. I, I think you're you're gonna probably want to keep Scotty Barnes, but if you're gonna trade or OG Antonobi, if you're gonna trade Fred Van Vliet, and if you're gonna throw Siakam in there, I mean that is really blowing up your roster. And I guess maybe that's what they need to do, right? Um but but Troy, you would argue yeah. though, like with the amount of assets you're getting in return, sure, it's, it it would be the type of blow up where yes, you're rebuilding, but with the amount of assets you're getting in return, the amount of salary room you're gonna have, sure. and with sure. this being Sayujiri, like like Sayujiri, like this is a team that like not next year, but the year after could potentially be back in the playing conversation. Like this is sure. a team that like you know like this isn't the type of rebuild, in my opinion, where. You know, this is like Detroit where it's the long, like the long grueler where, you know, you're reshaping the foundation of your franchise. This is the type right. of re- retool where you go, all right, we're just going to sit back a year and reset and we'll be back. Sure, you know, sure. that's with, the way I see yeah. it. And with that in my perspective, I guess I didn't really think about going that route. Then, yeah, I think you do move a Siakam. Um, but I, I would like to argue that you probably can get a pretty good piece in return. Because if we look at his stat line this year, I mean, he he is playing great basketball. He's had a 50-piece this year already. Like, I feel like a team – I can't – I guess I don't really have anything come to mind. But a team that that is in that play-in conversation but wants to take that that next step moving forward, has young pieces, I feel like Siakam can come in, um, especially if they can get young guys in return. Um, I, I'm, I'm very open to trading Siakam. I just want to make sure it's a good value, and I want to make sure that um, you're still keeping some – of your core because again these are good players right even a gary trent jr is a good player right um but yeah i i would rather go the direction of having an off year uh resettling put some more pieces and then going from there versus totally changing the uh direction of your franchise right because um, that's what normally comes to my head when i hear the word rebuild so right well and i think the reason why you don't have to change the direction of your franchise is because the fact that you already have that youth movement starting in in-house it, like that's like that's the thing like it's like like for them to blow it up it wouldn't have to be a full-blown rebuild because like when you're doing a rebuild you're you're, you're kind of having to figure out who you're building this around you already know who you're building it around like you know who has the keys to the franchise you know what direction you're going in 
it's just the matter of getting the pieces to do it right like it's just it's just the matter of actually like pulling the trigger and just and just fully and just fully i i wouldn't even say it's a it's changing direction i'd just say like if anything i'd say it's a pivot yeah yeah and 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 I think we all kind of agree on the same sentiment. I would call shop around Siakam. I think a great fit now in terms of trade assets are getting back. Maybe it's not what Toronto wants, but selfishly as a fan, I would love him in Dallas. I I think him and Luca would be great to watch, but still, what are you getting back? I mean, really you're getting Tim Hardaway and some first round picks. I'll pass. There's probably where I really want to see him. Oh, where I'll raise you one better. Can you imagine Pascal Siakam in Memphis? Oh, that's too good to be true, though, in my opinion. Like, 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 can you imagine a lineup of jaw, like whatever you're like, you can keep between like Dylan Brooks and, you know, like Desmond Bain, maybe. Yeah, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson and Pascal Siakam. They're my favorite in the East already, Sean. In the West? On the West. Well, yeah, in the West. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. And they're they're my, probably my championship team favorite if they were able to land Siakam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's... that would bring them to a different level if they were able to get add a guy like a Pascal Siakam. But even then, like like the New York Knicks, like what if they could go get a get a guy like a Pascal Siakam? Maybe not have to give up as much as they did in like a Donovan Mitchell type trade, but would that not make them better? Yeah, like like you know like there like there's there's certainly teams that that like are in a position where they could go get a guy like him. Again, it's just what can you get in return? The problem is. I think the Rudy Gobert trade broke the trade market. Yeah. I think sure. it's a part of why we're not seeing as many trades because when that when that type of guy goes for six first round picks, kind of screw things screws things up a little bit. Yeah. And the, the the second franchise, and I'm actually gonna play, we're gonna play a little GM here because instead of saying a player you trade, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the team. I'm gonna say two players. And if you're this specific GM. Which of the two players are you choosing between? Who are you keeping? Who are you trading away? I'm going to go with the Miami Heat, a team that's in a very awkward situation right now where they're not good enough to win a championship, but they have veterans on the team, so you still want to be in the the playoff pitcher. Two players, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. And and I want your guys' thoughts. If you're Pat Riley – which which of those two, if if any, or maybe you like the core they have, whatever route you want to go with it, are you trading? And what piece could you think you get more value for? Yeah, I'm going to keep Tyler Hero, but I'm going to trade Bam. Um, I, I think, was about to say the yeah, same thing. Yeah, I thought like, it was going to sound crazy, but no, no. I mean, Tyler Hero's been playing great basketball yeah, since day one. Since day one, like we know that he keeps getting better. We know we're not seeing a finished product. And with Bam, I think you might kind of seeing that finished product um as as we see i there's still great potential there we know that he does contribute well on both ends of the court but as far as moving forward with your franchise um he's just not going to be there in my opinion I, I would rather shop picks or um other veterans maybe or maybe a, a young talent um i guess there's so many different directions you can go with a bam but i feel like a bam has those paths has options uh, to trade for so for me yeah i i mean i i think i'm definitely going to trade man but i'm going to keep tyler because of the production we've seen out of him so far yeah i'm just not going to be shy about the fact that i think that if you're if if you know you're you're you know your your first or second best player is a traditional you know like a traditional defensive big that you're probably not you know in the greatest situation like bam out of bio is awesome his athletic ability is incredible. What he can do on the defensive end 
and you know like the, like how he's become a better offensive player as well like definitely like all the props like you know in the world in that end but like when you like when his his offensive game really is only in the interior when you know like when you like wait like when when bam out of bio is your second best player like that's just not going to give you the room to succeed right like it's just not like you like you like in order to you know to be able to go forward and able to like like build around a team i'm going to be more keen to build my team around a tyler hero type if i'm going to start my rebuild than if i'm going to build around bam out of bio just because of the fact that you know like bam out of bio like again he's he's it's the same thing with pascal siakam where it's like if he's if he's in a situation where, he, where he's complimenting other stars where he's like you know where he's like the fourth or fifth option offensively then bam's in a situation to thrive if mm-hmm. bam's you know like one of the guys were like you need him to produce offensively or you're not going to win games i just don't think that's where you're going to see long-term success i just don't yeah i think that's well put if i'm if i'm pat riley i'm, I'm i think you'll get I think you'll get a lot for Bam. Uh, maybe probably not as much as you expect, but I, I think there's a team out there, like you said, that maybe views Bam as as one of those pieces they're they're looking for. But still, I, I think in this modern age of the NBA, I think Tyler Hero kind of fits that mold. I mean, he's a great shooter. He can handle the ball. He can make plays. Bam, to me, is a player that I think they'd be fine without moving forward. Um, so that's the deal I'd probably pursue. So we all agree there, Bam and a bio. But there you go, two players trade deadline. Maybe you'll see. Maybe the Met, I'm gonna start mentioning some names, and I swear to God, I'm, gonna t- I'm gonna keep tab because these players get traded. I told well, you yeah. first. I oh, and, and and believe me, we are. You know, as as the trade deadline comes by, we are gonna be doing a whole lot of coverage. We're gonna be doing a whole lot of content. Yeah. And you know, at last, uh, Troy brought up the idea last year around the trade deadline. We did. You know, we went through each uh, each player that was reportedly. Uh, you know, on the market and we went through and did proposed trades, you know, what the odds of, you know, odds of them getting traded were. And we even went back and reviewed it, the the episode after. So we're going to have to do something similar for that this year. And uh, with you, with you being around for the deadline this year, Jeff, I'm excited to tally it. It's going to be fun. No, cook something up. Oh, heck yeah, man. We're going to be cooking it up, baby. It's going to be great. But Troy, speaking of cooking it up, there's no better way and no better dish to compliment and add. <laughs> this this podcast and the beautiful dish that is from Mount Rushmore. Troy, yeah. what are we doing today? Yeah, we're doing something fun. Uh, we talked about uh, winning teams a lot on this podcast, more specifically what it takes to win a championship. On this particular episode, we've talked a lot about losing teams. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So today yeah. We're a little, yeah. uh, little uh, <laughs> different, but um, we're going to be doing, we know that you need a star player. We know you need that franchise player win a championship but you also need a sidekick we're gonna be doing the mount rushmore of greatest nba sidekicks of all time i'll start with the elephant in the room the most obvious one the most well-known sidekick in the game of basketball scotty pippen uh he was the sidekick to michael jordan in the 90s with the bulls uh provided great interior defense uh perimeter defense as well just a great great defender but also his offensive game was excellent too i mean he was able to score the ball when needed he knew his role on the team as the sidekick i know there's a lot of controversy with his pay with his salary i think at one point he was like the 270th most paid in the league which was like towards the bottom half which is insane uh, especially with the salary caps that we have today in, in modern day NBA. But the guy just wasn't paid money, but he still took the role because 
he knew um, he wanted to win more than anything. And uh, of course, after Michael left, and of course, we know the last dance with that 98 Bulls team. Um, we know he went to Portland, had a little great little career there for a little bit. But I mean, Michael Jordan is not Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a fact. And uh, last yeah. dance really highlighted what he did to that team. Um, this this Mount Rushmore doesn't even exist without Scottie Pippen. in it. Yeah, most certainly. I for me, when I think of great sidekicks, my head goes to a little bit of a different direction than my, than, than some people might go to me. One of the greatest NBA sidekicks of all time is Bill Ambeer. Mm. I, I look at, you know, when I think of, you know, some of the greatest pairings in basketball, there was a, a pretty particularly deadly duo in the 80s in Isaiah Thomas and Bill Ambeer. Lambeer kind of being, you know, the, the you know, I, I Isaiah Thomas's muscle, you know, he kind of, you know, was, you know, him and IT both brought the intensity and and that attitude and, and that demeanor to the Pistons franchise, you know, he, you know, he was a guy that was more than willing to be the, you know, to be your backup guy, to be your muscle, to do the dirty work, to do whatever it took to put other guys into position, in a position to shine. But, you know, like ultimately, like when I think of, you know, like when I think of some of the greatest duos in the history of basketball, like, you know, there's like, you talk about like Michael Jordan couldn't, you know, couldn't have done what, what he did without, you know, without Scottie Pippen. There's no shot in hell Isaiah Thomas does what he does without Bill Ambeer. Yeah. And, and I'm going to go in a different, a little different direction than both of you. A, a guy that wasn't known as a sidekick, but had to take a sidekick role to win championships, and that's Dwayne Wade. I think for, mm-hmm. for Dwayne yes. to welcome LeBron and be self-aware enough to say, you know what, this is my city, but for these stretch of years, this is your team. And, and that was huge. I think selflessness is something that's huge among superstars. You don't see it a ton, um, but those things I appreciate. And Dwayne Wade, I think is a big example of that. He's a big reason why they went to four consecutive finals. They won two championships. And and the fact that Dwayne as great as he was one of the best shooting guards ever already won a championship without LeBron. The fact that he was able to take a step back, be the sidekick and him and LeBron, they had success. I think is a big part. So Dwayne Wade to me is up there and and an honorable mention. I want to, I want to say is Clay Thompson. I think mm-hmm. Clay early, this is pre obviously KD. Again, yeah. the Ying to Steph's Yang, like the the other part of the best shooting backcourt of all time. Yeah. I think Clay deserves a ton of credit because another guy who's completely selfless, like doesn't want the credit, as good of a two-way player as he was and how much he meant to them. The guy's a flamethrower and one of the greatest shooters of all time. I think Clay deserves an honorable mention as well. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. Flamethrower. I, I guess he wasn't my honorable mention. He was my fourth guy on on, on this oh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you stole him from me, Jeff. But I mean, that's a great, great example because you know he's a guy that comes in fifteenth, uh, thirteenth pick, uh, pick, top fifteen. Um, really, you didn't, you had him probably being a role of centerpiece of your franchise moving forward. But to think that he was your second best option on your championship team, where he easily could have been a first option on plenty of other uh, playoff teams, um, it speaks volume for who he decided to be who he continues to be on this Warriors team. Cause last year too, I mean, sure. We know Wiggins stepped up, but again, Clay Thompson was Clay Thompson. Yeah. Um, so that's and, big too. And had so many have, nights. Go ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say really quickly. And so, and he had so many nights where he, you know, where he let Steph shine and he, yeah. and he loved to see Steph shine. And, and that's yeah. why, that's why the splash brothers worked is because they love to see each other succeed. 
Mm-hmm. Bingo. Another one I had, and it's hard to do this with a big three, uh, but I'm going to go with the original big three um, in 2008 Celtics with uh, KG, Paul Pierce, and uh, Ray Allen. But I, I think with that one, you have to kind of go at the second best player, at least the face of the franchise that season. And, and uh, that was Kevin Garnett. Um, I mean, he was brought in, you know, former MVP. And he came in and to know, again, similar as a Dwayne Wade type of situation. Hey, this is Paul's. Um, this is well, this is my new city, but this is Paul's team and Paul city, but still knew that they couldn't win without him. He right. knew that, that he had a lot of keys in his hands. He had a lot to do with either their their winning or their their downfall. And uh, we know that team won. And uh, not just that, but went back to a finals two years later. And KG, I mean, that team doesn't win a championship without KG, right? So um, defensive, offensive, still one of the best players, obvious Hall of Famer. uh, But but Kevin Garnett to that team as a sidekick to Paul Pierce, uh, phenomenal. Yeah, similar direction. How about Chris Bosh in Miami? Everything that he did. Another great one. Everything that he did to shape his game and and to be the Swiss Army knife. Kevin Love in in, in Cleveland and the way that he shaped his game. Just, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, the amount of guys that, that took secondary and tertiary roles and, you know, found ways to thrive and succeed and, and put teams over the top because they did that. I mean, the, yeah. like those, those are guys that I really like to celebrate and, and, and guys that, you know, like we, we don't talk about enough. And that's a story. That's a theme. That's an ongoing theme where we can look at past generations. But my hope is that players in the league right now recognize, study those stories and are willing to say to take the same sacrifices for this modern day NBA, because we well, know how much talent is in this league. We know who can be the faces of franchises, but to take a step back to know your role on a championship contending team, and then to go out and do it to win the championship. Yeah. There can my only be so many number one yeah. guys. Not everyone's Kobe. Yeah. My hope for the NBA moving forward is we see more men doing that, taking, yep. taking that path. So. Yep, and, and and you know, I think the reason why we are that way is because, you know, being Pistons fans, you know, growing up, like quite literally, we are raised like the poster you have behind you, Troy, you know, yeah. the, the bobbleheads right behind my head, you know, yeah. like the like we were raised on the teams that were all about selflessness and not about, you know, like not about a one a one star. Right. Right. So, right. Richard yeah. Hamilton, Rashid Wallace, both uh, both uh, co-stars with Chauncey. So. Right. Right. Just like how. You guys are my co-stars, and there's not one star on this pod. Look at that. I can wrap it up and put a bow on that <laughs> like the best of them. Damn it. But with that, guys, I appreciate you so much. It was really good. I, I came into this pod really angry because of the Pistons game and, you know, be able to laugh and, you know, like, <laughs> and joke around and feel better after that, you know, definitely feels good. So appreciate you guys a lot and appreciate everyone that was joining and listening to this pod and the listeners each and every week here on from half court and we want to thank you so much be sure that you like this video subscribe to the channel so you're not missing all the great content that we have but with that folks thank you so much for tuning in we will catch you guys next time from half court be sure you subscribe